says, believers, he says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And that applied to the Thessalonians back in the first century, and it applies to us. I want you to think about that. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That means that no matter what the scenario is, if you want to know what God's will is for you, and, and a lot of people talk about, ah, I just I want to know how to discover God's will. Well, God's will is whatever you're doing, give thanks. So if you and I are like absent of expressing gratitude, and that's what giving thanks is, uh, giving thanks is expressing. It's not feeling appreciative. It's actually when you express verbally. In fact, uh, we looked in our scripture uh, that, in fact, look at, let's go to Luke 17. And the only one leper, we're going we're gonna to go through this passage today. Only one leper returned. Notice how Jesus worded it in verse 17. He said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Now, this is our last point looking at this verse. But then he goes, there are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. How did this man give glory to God? Well, look at verse 15. He saw that he was healed. He turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. That's giving thanks. He, did, he didn't, who knows, maybe those nine that were healed were grateful inside and they felt thankful, but they never expressed it. And that was the disappointment of the Savior. He said, "What well, you know, where were the ten? Only one of them came back to glorify God. So no matter how thankful those other nine lepers were to be rid of their leprosy, they never verbalized it. And that's what Jesus Christ pointed out to our attention. And we need to be aware that God is aware of what happens in our lives when we go for lengths of time without expressing gratitude. And, and I think, I'm guilty. Are you sometimes? You know, you just get so busy in life and, and, and we get this default mode of looking at everything that's wrong or what we want changed that we tend to lose that appreciation. So let's jump in. We're just going to go through this text. And uh, let me give you the outline. We'll just jump right in. First of all, there is a benefactor. We go back in history to a time, just like any other time, where people were sick and people had diseases. That's this time. People are sick. People have diseases. And back in Jesus' time, they were sick. There were people that were lepers before they had any of the cures and some of the medicine that they had today. Or a lot of them didn't have much back then. And yet there was someone that gave them hope. There was or there is a benefactor. Then, then we're going to see uh, we must acknowledge benefits. And that's what one person did. This one leper. Uh, God bless him, whoever he was. We don't know his name. Boy, wouldn't it be great if you knew his name? This guy was you know, pretty noteworthy. You know, I mean, maybe it was, um, I don't know, Frederick? <laughs> I keep going to Frederick. I'm sure that's not even a Bible name. But, you know, we'll call him Frederick because this guy's, I mean, he did something significant. He expressed gratitude to God. And Jesus took note of that. And his faith made him whole. I think there's something in that about 
he got some blessing that the other nine did not. So that, there, is a benef- or there is a benefactor. We must acknowledge benefits. And then thirdly, being thankful isn't common, as we see here. So look at verse 12, Luke 17, verse 12. It says, As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now by this time, these men had obviously heard that there was a miracle worker somewhere around, a, a rabbi, a teacher, uh, that has the power to do miracles. And of course, uh, these men being lepers and being uh, cast-offs were not allowed to intermingle with society. Uh, they probably, in your mind, you think, boy, they, they're probably, wow, I hope, this, I hope there's something to this. And so they go. Uh, they entered into the city, Jesus did. And in verse 13, these lepers... Uh, stood afar off because that was what the law said. They were obviously near him because he's the one they were looking to. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They They knew who he was. And they were looking to him to help them. Look at verse 14 now. And when he saw them, he said unto them, this is interesting. Jesus has various ways in which he has healed people. Sometimes he just says, you know, stand up and walk. Lazarus, come forth. I mean, sometimes he just issues the commands and heals them directly. This wasn't the case. This is interesting. He said, go show yourselves unto the priests. That's it. You know, maybe they were like uh, Naaman. Remember king of the Syrian guard when he was expecting the prophet to, you know, come to him personally to answer the door and and issue some great command because he was pretty important. And these guys got some, you know, go show yourself to the priests. Why? I'm still a leper. And we're still going to have to do it from afar off. But And this is the key to them being healed, folks. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests. There's no doubt if any of them got discouraged and said, I knew this wasn't going to work, and walked away, they would have remained lepers. Because what does it say? Look what it says. And it came to pass that as they went. You know what that is? Obedience to the Savior. And that would be the key. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Any one of them could have said, I knew it. Or no, I'm not going to do that. It could have been like the, the spirit of Naaman. I'm not going to do that. But they all went. And it was as they went, they were cleansed. Why? Because the person they went to was indeed a genuine benefactor. What is a benefactor? A benefactor is described as one who renders aid or kindly services to others. A friendly helper. I love that. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who renders aid or kindly service to others. He is a friendly helper. One who advances the interest of others or or an institution. Another word, a patron. That's what Jesus is. That's what our God is. He is one. He is a friendly helper. Listen to what Revelation says. And this is going to culminate someday. 
where you and I stand before God and He is going to get the praise and honor. I love the, the, the passages of Revelation where He is glorified. But look what it says in Revelation 7.12. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might unto our be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Get that again. Blessing and blessing be unto our God forever. Glory be unto our God. It belongs to him. Wisdom be it belongs to God forever and ever. Thanksgiving belongs or be unto our God forever and ever. God is worthy and thanksgiving belongs to him. We owe it to God to give him thanksgiving forever and ever because he is the great benefactor. We have a benefactor. Just read this week in the latest Reader's Digest uh, a, a, a short story about a man back in October of 2020 uh, you know, this the theme of our last month has been dialysis. We've been praying for, for Kylie. We've been praying for Skip. Uh, how amazing that these people we've been praying for, Skip for years, Kylie for many, many months, maybe a year or two, all of a sudden, the same week, the same time, they both get a donor to come forward. Is that amazing? So my radar is keyed in on, on kidney people that need kidneys. And this was just such a story. There was a 71-year-old man. Uh, whose name was Bill Sumiel, back in October of 2020. He was 71 years old. He was going for a dialysis. And the article talked about some clog that would happen. And so he had to go for dialysis and get this thing unclogged. And, and uh, one night, the, his normal ride wasn't able to take him there. So he had to call an Uber. And, and this guy that got the Uber was a young man by the name of... Um, Timothy Letts. And so Timothy went to pick him up. And on the way to either from the hospital or to the hospital, Bill uh, Simeo is talking about it. As he says, yeah, I need, a, I need a kidney donor. I really do. You know, this has been for years. And, uh, and, and this, this Timothy guy joked. He said, well, I'd probably be a perfect donor because I, I don't drink and I don't smoke. And, he, you know, he said that in jest and laughed. And, and then it, could, it didn't leave him. He went home and he just... He just thought about that. He had thought about just donating a kidney randomly for a long time. He knew it was something he could do. And all of a sudden, that he just kept playing over that in his mind over and over. And he finally, he contacted the guy. He said, what do I got to do to see if I'm a match? And the guy gave him the information. He made the phone call. And this all happened really quickly. And uh, wouldn't you know it, he's a perfect match. And so he goes. They, he gets the kidney transplant. And uh, what a blessing. And so he is, as he has interviewed, this, um, this man who was the donor made this statement. And it's, it's tragic in my mind. But it's interesting. Here's what he said. He said, whatever karmic power is out there wanted me and Bill to link. Now, whatever karmic power, that means karma, you know. Like, and, and you know, folks, that uh, when, when people believe in karma... They're, they're not acknowledging God. They're, they're just saying there's some force out there that is in control. And it reminds me of when Paul was at Mars Hill. Remember that? When Paul was at Mars Hill, 
They were worshiping. They were at the altar of the unknown God. And I love the way Paul does this. Paul stands up to them and he says, uh, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. This is awesome. And then Paul says, Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. I love that. They're, they're, they don't know God, but they're acknowledging that there's some God out there, the unknown God. That's what karma is, some karmic power. We know, who's, we know who the omnipotent God is, don't we? It's not karma, folks. It's Almighty God, Yahweh, and Jesus Christ. We understand that. And so here, you know, we're not just you know, saying some karmic power out there wanted me. Yeah, there was a power out there that wanted you two to connect, and it was Almighty God. And it really was. In fact, listen to, I mentioned Naaman, didn't I, just a minute ago? Yeah, okay. Listen to what this, in this verse about Naaman, it's 2 Kings, you don't need to turn there. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. It says, now Naaman, now understand, he is a Syrian. He does not worship the God of Israel. He is, uh, you know, a pagan. And here's what it says, now Naaman. Captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master, honorable, because, listen to this, by him. Okay, we're talking about a Syrian, a man that does not acknowledge Yahweh at all, God. And this man, Naaman, became very successful in the Syrian army, in the military. And listen to what the text says. Because by him, the Lord, Yahweh, capital letters, had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Do you get this? Do you get this? That here's this pagan man who never sought to glorify God and, you know, did not acknowledge God. And yet the Bible is telling us that God is the one that rose him to power. He's the one. He is the benefactor. Don't ever forget that. Whether you or I or anyone out there acknowledges God, whether or not they believe in Jesus Christ, every good and every perfect gift is from above. And folks, God is blessing people. What's that called? His common grace. He is blessing people that do not acknowledge Him. I am thinking... Um, you know, think of this phrase. Again, this is a key word here in verse 14. As they went. They were just following the instructions of Jesus Christ. And what happened? It worked, right? God's way works. You know what's amazing? I marvel at how many people do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They've not been born again. They've not submitted to the scriptural teaching on how God saves people. But they get wind of biblical precepts, for example, about finances. And so many people, uh, because of one uh, effective speaker who uh, his goal is to just help people in finances, but he doesn't necessarily... He preached the gospel, uh, but he has a lot of people that are applying biblical principles and getting out of debt. 
And, and it's just amazing to me. I remember going, I've shared this before, I went to the Tower Theater, this guy was, as a motivational speaker came, and I thought, you know, there's not going to be many people here, and the place was packed. All these people, I mean, packed. And these were not, you know, there's not a lot of Christians there, but these are just people that listen to this guy who taught biblical principles and found this works. What a blessing, and it reminds me, as they went, these men were just following the Lord's instructions, and then... They were blessed. I think of this. And by the way, let me, let me share this. If you follow, whether knowledgeably or ignorantly, if you follow biblical principles in raising your children and, and marriage, you're going to find blessing. Whether you're a Christian or not, you, 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 find, you go to some of these scriptural teachings and you begin to put them into your marriage. Your marriage is going to be blessed. And by the way, just a good time for me to announce this. Um, I've been speaking with Dr. Griffith uh, prior to the men's conference. And uh, there have been people that have been wanting to get access to some of his uh, sermons that he has and that he makes available on, on CD, on disc. And uh, he does whole family series and all that. And I, he wants to get these. He says, how do you get on sermon audio? And I was going to begin to help him to set up his own sermon audio thing. And I thought, you know what? Why don't we just, because he's preached here and we just post them. I said, why don't you give me the, the, the discs and I'll put them on our account for now in sermon audio. And so this last week I uploaded, I don't know how many, 15 of the sermons that they normally sell at their, or make available uh, on marriage, on raising kids, on you know, being a good husband and all that. Uh, and so they're now available on sermon audio. He preached these back in 2007, I think. But they're now available for free. And uh, since I uploaded them, there's a bunch of people that have been listening to them. I don't, know how, I don't know how it comes up in people's feed. But you listen to biblical teaching. And I'm not sure if he gives a gospel in any of them or not. But he just gives biblical teaching about marriage, about raising kids. You apply them and you're going to see that God's way works. It's a blessing. It's not saying it's a... It's not saying that there's not going to be challenges, but like finances, when you begin to apply biblical principles, generally you find that God's way works. And so these men went, and as they went, they just obeyed the Lord. Maybe some of them thought, who knows, what have I got to lose? I'm going to try. I'll go to the priests. And can you imagine the excitement of being a leper and heading to the priests, and you don't even get there yet, and, and I don't know if it happened all of a sudden. I don't, know how, I don't know how that works. If you're a leper, I do know that you're deformed and you know, you've got all these sores. And was it like every step they got better and better and over a 30-foot walk, they went from being a leper to being clean? Or if it just happened like in one fell swoop? I don't know. But can you imagine being a leper being an outcast in this community without hope because there was no medicine or treatment. And you're going for a little walk, and in that period of time, you are completely healed. That is reason to rejoice. I cannot imagine the emotional high, the excitement that these men all at once experienced. Now, look at verse 15. So, number one, there is a benefactor um, by the way, there's a verse in Scripture. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. 
That's, that's when I think of that verse, every good and every perfect gift from is, above, uh, is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights. You know that God is blessing people whether they're saved or not. He gives rain. He gives provision. He is, he is just, he's so good. Look at verse 15. And one of them, remember there were ten. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. I get the emotion. I'm surprised they didn't all do that spontaneously. But one of them was so overwhelmed, he turned back and in a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And, he, and by the way, this is interesting. And he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Now you know that the Jews and the Samaritans, the Samaritans were despised. Uh, this, you know, this, this whole thing going on. And it's interesting that they highlight this because perhaps that meant the other nine were Jews that you know, openly worshipped Yahweh. Uh, and, and then you would say, well, shame on them. But it was the one that definitely wasn't a Jew that came back and glorified God. So what is thankfulness? Thankfulness is described as the act of rendering thanks or expressing gratitude for favors or mercies. Somebody once made this statement. I wrote it down. I forgot to give the credit of who it was. But they said, since we really cannot thank God for something for which we are not thankful for, we must discover the ultimate benefit of the thing we are going through. I want to read that again because that's true for us. We really cannot thank God for something for which we are not thankful for. Here's what we need to do. We need to discover the ultimate benefit of the thing that we are going through or at least understand that there is a benefit that the God who allowed this to happen to us intends for good to come out of it. And unless we do that, we're not going to be thankful. We're not going to have that ability. How could Paul give thanks for a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12? For which all he wanted was for it to be removed. How could he give thanks? Well, he learned that it wasn't God's will to answer his prayer the way he wanted but to rather show his grace. And he ended up giving thanks. How could Joseph give thanks in Genesis 50 for, for being betrayed by his brothers and, and losing so much of his life by being sold into slavery, being robbed of his family and the love of his parents? How could he give thanks? Because he understood that a good God is behind it who means good. Even the bad things. And I remind you, remember this verse, 2 Corinthians 4.15. For all things are for your sakes. Remember that. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9.11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Get this again. This should apply to you and me. Somewhere. Being enriched in everything, to all bountifulness, which causes us, causes through us, thanksgiving to God. In other words, that's just this point. Until we see the benefit 
until we realize that we are benefiting from something, we're not going to really be able to express God. But when we feel or we sense that we are being enriched in everything through all bountifulness, that's what causes us to give thanksgiving to God. By the way, remember Hebrews 11.6, the, the faith chapter? For he that believeth, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He that comes to God must believe that he is good and that he is a rewarder. You know what? It is worth serving the Lord. Do you believe that? Is that where you're at? Read the story of a back during World War with the one with Hitler. That was two, right? It was two, yes. Um, there was a, a group, a mission organization called Scripture Gift Mission out of London. They've changed their name. They're still in existence. Uh, they have chapters throughout the world, 25, I think. But uh, it used to be called Scripture Gift Mission, which their purpose was to uh, get the Word of God, get people reading the Word of God. They'd make donations to, to get the Bible out and get people reading it. And uh, a farmer who lived near London wrote to the Scripture Gift Mission enclosing a five-shilling offering. I think that was like $1.25, maybe back then or now. In his letter, he requested prayer that no bomb should drop on a small farm. This was during the war. His harvest had not been good, and his farm was very dry with no water, and he had to buy water. Uh, so, you know, he asked for prayer. He just didn't want any bombs. He didn't want to, you know, get more, have more destruction on his crops. So he asked, would you please pray? Simple prayer request. The secretary of the mission wrote back. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't pray for that. Uh, he said, but I would pray. I will pray that God's will will be done. Oh, thanks a lot. It's not what I'm looking for. Well, soon afterwards, Hitler's biggest bomb came down on the man's farm. It broke all his windows, but no one was hurt. It was so big that it went down very deep and unearthed a spring. The spring not only watered his farm well, but it enabled him to let others have water too. And he had the best crop ever. So he gave, he sent a large offering uh, the next year. And he gave glory to God. Because, you know, he was thinking, all right, you didn't pray. Uh, my will wasn't done, but look what God did. Isn't that amazing? You know, sometimes we can get stuck into saying, this is the best thing. This if God doesn't answer this prayer the way I say it, then what good is He? And God's up there saying, All right, you don't want any drums. If God had answered that man's prayer, would that have been better or not as good? It would have been not as good, right? And yet, He could say, I got my prayer answered. No bomb came near my property. Yay! But God knew better. You know, I imagine when, when he's offering that prayer request, God's like, oh, Farmer Joe, I, I know that under your crops there, under that land, there's a beautiful spring, and I've got plans to get that spring up to your crops, and I'm going to use Hitler to do it. And he did. I mean, that's the kind of God we serve. But we have to trust him that he is our benefactor. He, he is, what's the word again that, that we use a um a friendly helper 
That is our God. He wants to bless us like that, and He does. So, look at, um, last point, being thankful isn't common. And so, this little snippet in the life of Jesus is unfortunately a common scenario all across the world. Uh, I would say, especially in America, just from my experience, we're, we're so well off that... Um, We've lost that grateful spirit. Look at verse 17, Luke 17, 17. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Isn't that interesting? Instead of Jesus looking at the one and saying, You know, thank you so much. I appreciate you giving glory to God. Amen. And he did praise him. But what was the first thing out of his mouth? Wait a minute. Didn't I heal nine? You know what that tells me? Our God is conscious of His blessings that go unappreciated. Our God is very aware of His manifold blessings in people's lives that they say nothing about. They give no praise. They give no thanks. Maybe they just complain. You know... As times move on in history, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.1, he said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he paints a pretty bleak picture of uh, mankind. He says, Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I mean, there's a long litany of really bad things. And you know what one of the things are? One of the things is that, um, that it's going to mark and identify people. It's going to be common in these perilous times as the, the love of many, their hearts are going to grow colder, wax worse and worse. You know one of the things that's going to identify people is they're going to be unthankful. So this scenario here of the nine is not uncommon. How many people are blessed by God and give him no credit. I read a while back there was a, some little clever, somebody thought up a little cutesy thing that um, is not true. It's not found in the Bible. But it's somebody just kind of speculating. And I appreciate this because whether this is true or not, it probably isn't. It, it, it's basically um, nine suggested reasons why the nine did not return to give thanks? Because what was Jesus' question? Weren't there nine that were ten that were healed? Where are the nine? And so some guy was I was he was thinking about it, or some lady was thinking about it, and they're like, okay, what are some possible reasons? So listen to this, I think it's kind of clever. Here are nine suggested reasons why the nine didn't come back to return. One waited to see if the cure was real. One waited to see if it would last. One said he would see Jesus later. One decided that he had never had leprosy. One said he would have gotten well anyway. One gave the glory to the priests. One said, oh, well, Jesus didn't really do anything. One said, any rabbi could have done it. One said, I was already much improved. Now, again, that's somebody's you know, thinking. But let's stop for a minute. Because think of those nine men. 
there were reasons, were there not? There were some reasons that they didn't come back to glorify God. Maybe they just, they were apathetic. Or like us, maybe they just took it for granted. Or maybe they were like, hey, I'm really glad, but, you know, they didn't, whatever reason, probably they didn't have each of these reasons. That would be pretty spectacular, wouldn't it? If they each had one of these reasons. But they had some reason. But the bottom line is, they didn't thank God. And you know what? When our tongues are silent, when we have so much to be thankful for, we are robbing God of His glory. We are missing an opportunity to praise His name. Now, I'm prepping the pump for Wednesday. Okay, We want to come and we want to express... Because uh, people aren't going to know that. People that are going to come in, if they even come in at all, when they come in or they're online, you know, they're go- are you going to give them evidence that God has been good to you? Or are they going to leave here and think, well, I guess God wasn't too good to a lot of people at Bible Baptist because nobody said anything. Now, we usually have. And, and once, once it gets going, things get stirred up, you know. And so I want to encourage you to come early and speak early. You know, so the lulls are, because once people start going, it, it brings other things. Oh, yeah, you know what? I've got something like that. So that's why I'm telling you, give it some energy and some thought before Wednesday when we have our Thanksgiving service so we can really praise God. I want to close with this. This is another blessing to me uh, that goes back to uh, our Thanksgiving celebration with the pilgrims. In fact, it was around 1608, which was more than a decade before the pilgrims uh, landed in the New World. A group of English traders led by Captain Thomas Hunt sailed to what today is Plymouth, Massachusetts. And a trusting group of Wampanoag Indians came out to trade with these people, Captain Thomas Hunt. And they uh, were very um, cruel to them. They, They took them hostage. They took them prisoners these Indians, and they took them to Spain and sold them into slavery, kind of like Joseph with his brothers. Um, just really, really vicious, unkind people. One of, the cap- one of the captured Indians was a boy named Tisquantum, or Squanto, if you've ever heard of Squanto. He was a young um, Indian, that's how he's known now as Squanto, was brought to the well-meaning Spanish monk, or he was bought by a well-meaning Spanish monk, who treated him well and taught, the, taught him the scriptures. And Squanto eventually made his way uh, to England, and he worked in a stable of a man named John Slaney. Slaney sympathized with Squanto's desire to return home, and he promised to put the Indian on the first vessel bound for America. But it didn't happen for 10 years after the incident, 1619. They finally, finally, a uh, uh, ship was going to America and he put Squanto on there. When Squanto arrived in Massachusetts, he was heartbroken for what awaited him. Uh, There was uh, an epidemic that wiped out his entire village. A year later, a shipload of English families arrived and settled on the very land that was once occupied by Squanto's people. Squanto went to meet them and he greeted the startled pilgrims by speaking in English. Remember, he had ended up in, in England. And according to the diary of Governor William Bradford, 
Squanto, quote-unquote, became a special instrument sent of God for our good. He showed us how to plant our corn, where to take fish, and to procure other commodities, and was also our pilot to bring us to unknown places for our profit, and never left us till he died. Isn't that amazing? Look at this young boy, this Indian boy, who, like Joseph, had one tragedy after another, gets sold into slavery like Joseph, ends up back in America to find out that his village is wiped out. He learned English, and did, here's the key that's not in this story, or Bradford never, but he never got bitter. He never got bitter at the white man, so that when the, the pilgrims came, he was such a great help that the pilgrims said, this, this young Indian is... It's from God. Then, when Squanto lay dying of a fever, William Bradford wrote in his diary that their Indian friend, quote, desired the governor to pray for him that he might go to the Englishman's God in heaven. Now, what a blessing when you think about how God took this one man and ended up using him as a vessel for the pilgrims who came over. What a blessing. Now, you and I, folks, are that's the kind of God their benefactor is our benefactor he is on the throne right now he's whatever he's orchestrating in your life is desired especially if you're a child of God you're seeking the Lord remember all things work together for good to them that love God them who are called according to his purpose so you've you've been washed in the blood you know your name's written in the book of life you're seeking to serve the Lord God's promising you I'm going to work things together for good. I'm going to close with this. I remember many years ago, I had a conversation with a pastor who was giving me a a testimony about um, a very difficult person in their church that um, was just causing him fits and, uh, you know, probably maybe, you know, driving him to want to quit and, and just... I don't think this person realized, you know, what a thorn in the flesh this, this, this guy was. And then the man died suddenly. And um, this pastor was reflecting on, huh, I wonder if God did that. And I remember, I remember one time, somehow God removed someone that was, um, and, and it was through death, that was really, really causing me fits. And I remember I started thinking that way. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait a minute, Lion, you are not the central figure in the redemption story. Remember that quote? I remember thinking, you know what, I wonder if God's orchestrating this. Wait a minute, when it says all things work together for good, you and I are not the central figure in the, in the redemption story. God is working all things together, not for our glory, but for his glory. Now, it will be good for us in that we are committed to glorifying God and doing things God's way. But I remind you that our God, he's working things together. And and his plan is so much bigger than just little old me and little old you, you know. But he's still in charge of it all. And he still wants to bring good. So anything bad that happens to you, he's going to still orchestrate it for your benefit, but for his glory. He is the central figure in the redemption story and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, that is the biggest benefit of all.
Jesus Christ is God's gift to us sinners who need a Savior. And the best way you can receive that benefit is by receiving salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Father, we, if it were just salvation, we have so much that we can thank you for. Lord, just to have our names written in the book of life, just to have our sins washed as far as the east is from the west, just to be given the gift of eternal life, just to be sealed by your Holy Spirit, just to be predestined because of our salvation to be conformed to the image of Christ, just to know that someday you'll wipe away every tear and we will get to spend eternity in heaven in your glory and in bliss. If there was anything else good, uh, it, would, it would just be a plus. And there's so much more that you bless us with. You give us life. You give us the, your manifold blessings. You give us the blessing of fellowship with you and being able to share the gospel. And Father, yet we still, we get discouraged. We get our eyes off of you. <clears throat> we get our eyes on the temporary things that can get us down. And Father, I pray that you would lift our eyes, that we would keep our eyes unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and that we would walk away praising you, eternally grateful, and feeling like we have benefited. And Lord, we thank you for it. We ask your blessing. Help us this week especially to truly become extremely grateful people so that we can verbalize it, so that we can be thankful. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.